Hello, and welcome to The Get. I'm your host, Erica Seidel. This season, the fifth season of The Get, has been focused on the relationship between CMOs and board members. For many CMOs, interacting with the board is about as much fun as getting a root canal. But what if you could make your CMO and board relationship go from fraught to functional and even to fantastic? If we haven't met yet, a brief intro. I spend my days recruiting CMOs and VPs of marketing in B2B SaaS. So I have this unique perch to explore the trends, tribulations, and triumphs of the best marketing leaders and their organizations. I've had a range of guests on my podcast this season, marketing leaders who are veterans at interacting with boards, marketing leaders who are board members themselves, and a couple of board members without deep marketing expertise who have hired marketing leaders and have learned firsthand how valuable the right CMO can be for the board. And speaking as a podcast host for just a moment, it's been great to hear from so many loyal listeners along the way who have found this podcast useful. One person actually told me that I was the Terry Gross of the CMO podcast space. I'm honored. In this executive summary episode, I'm going to recap some of the most compelling takeaways from this season. One, what do board members want in a SaaS CMO? And how can you ace your interview with a board member? Two, board meetings. How can you land on your feet once you are inside the boardroom? Three, how do you build a strong dialogue with the board outside of board meetings? Finally, four, serving on boards. How can you become the CMO who gets tapped for board seats? Ready? Here goes. First, what do board members want from a CMO? And how can you ace the board interview when you are up for a CMO role? Some inside perspective from me before you hear from my guests. I do a lot of searches for private equity-backed companies where investors are active on the board. My searches that go the most smoothly have something in common. The right board members are involved in the search process early on. By contrast, I've seen searches go not so smoothly when board members only show up at the end and nix a candidate. I'd rather have a board member or investor be like a cook in the kitchen as opposed to the restaurant critic who only judges what's on their plate without being involved with how the meal was made. So I personally have become a fan of board members engaging throughout the search, both with the search process and with the candidates. After all, the way you start a relationship is often indicative of the way you continue it. My guests this season all agree that early engagement between the board and the CMO makes sense. So what are board members looking for? Chris Fountain, a veteran board member and operating partner at private equity firm Frontier Growth, shares what's on his mind. I like to understand their operating cadence. The operating cadence just tells you how you run the business of marketing and what metrics do you use to run the business of marketing. I find that to be super insightful. A marketing leader, I can't recall where she was from, but she said something very profound. She said she realized the best use of her marketing dollars were to give part of her budget to the product team so they could build a key product feature that she thought was going to drive demand better than any marketing program that she could invest in, in the timeframe that in which they were evaluating that resource allocation question. And it was a brilliant perspective to me. So if that marketing leader or the, any executive is sitting around that table, if they zoom out far enough to be able to understand the business holistically, all resources are scarce, whether you're IBM or Wealthbox, you've got to make trade-offs. And trying to get a feel for that in the interview process, you know, there's not one question that gets to that, but it's something I try to get through the course of the conversations. Yeah. As a CEO, my dream was to have every executive first be a general manager and then be a functional executive. To the extent they could understand how to build enterprise value, 
how to think about the business from a financial perspective, how to think about the business from a go-to-market perspective, because business is a big balancing act at every level. And there's big questions about resource allocation that have to be made at the highest level. And ideally, you have an executive team around the table that appreciates the fact that there are trade-offs across the entire company that need to be made. So in a nutshell, Chris's advice is business first, marketing second. How can you best prepare for a board member interview when you are up for a CMO role? Have your numbers at the ready. It's great that you've contributed to increased revenue, market share, profitability, but by how much? Quantifying your business impact is where it's at. But focus on the metrics that mean the most to the overall business. Don't make the mistake of getting too far into the weeds and avoid marketing jargon. Alana Anderson, a multi-time CMO who has led marketing at Vericode and Demandware, among other places, shares what to expect. I don't expect to talk deep marketing, you know, shop talk with a board member. I've yet to find many who are deeply interested, you know, in the details. So I tend to focus on talking about strategy, the company, the market, the market trends, the competitive trends, the competitive landscape. I talk about how I've moved the needle, you know, in in other companies, how I've aligned teams. When you are interviewing with a board, realize it's a two-way street. You will be interviewing them too. The best candidates see it as developing a relationship, not just in a kumbaya sense, but so you are aligned on expectations. Here's Alana again. I'm asking about their understanding of the market and the unique advantage of the company. Why is this company going to win? What makes them unique? What is the outlook for the company? Why is this company going to win over competitor XYZ? If competitor XYZ might be a leader and the company is not a leader, you know, it gives me a sense of A, how much they believe and also how strong the messaging for the company, for the business is. Mm. What if you are not asked to interview with a board member? Ask for that meeting. Seriously. Don't be afraid to ask since there's so much you can learn. Like, what are the board dynamics? What does the CEO struggle with? What prospects are ahead for the business? And when it comes to marketing, does the board know what they know and know what they don't know? If you ask to meet a board member and you are told no for some reason, think hard about what this says. Maybe it's not the right fit and you should look for a company that believes in open access to the board. Let's move on to part two. We will assume that you've gotten the CMO job and now you are in the CMO seat. Huzzah! Now, how can you rock it in the boardroom? This is important because marketing leaders can succeed or fail based on their performance during board meetings. Actually, a question I ask CEOs when I start a search for a CMO is, think of your last board meeting. What marketing-related challenges did you struggle to get answers to? Their answers tell me a lot about the CEO's view of marketing and also the core of the job for their next CMO. Going into this podcast series, one thing I wondered about was how marketers could spend less time and angst preparing for board meetings. Many marketing leaders shudder at the time and second-guessing that goes into those board meetings, and it can seem like productivity really grinds to a halt in the run-up to the meeting. Evan DeCourt from Columbia Capital is a PE investor and board member. He had a really useful perspective when I asked how board meeting prep could be shorter. I think board meeting prep takes time because it is, I think for the business, like a moment of self-reflection. What have we done? What were the outcomes? What are we going to do differently? How does this impact our view on strategy or the market? Those are not always easy questions to answer. And if they are really easy, like 
I, I might think it's time for a little more self-reflection, right? Because very rarely are the things that we're doing, even in businesses that are just really doing well, easy. That we face tough questions that take time to grapple with, right? We are conducting a lot of activities and hiring people and running new strategies and evaluating them and measuring them against the alternatives. Like those are complex questions. I found Evan's observation really interesting, and it underlined what I've learned from these conversations about how you can be more successful and less stressed during board meetings. It starts with having a plan for how you are looking to interact with the board in general. The board meeting itself is a sort of capstone, of course, but your interactions overall should be less about a quarterly performance and more about nurturing an ongoing symbiotic relationship. A great example of this comes again from Evan when he joined the podcast alongside Jen Demas, the Chief Marketing and Experience Officer for Tolaris. I collaborated with Evan and the Tolaris CEO when I recruited Jen into her role. It was awesome to have both Evan and Jen talk not just about each other, but with each other on the podcast. Here's a perspective that came to light. I think what we don't want is hand-waving, a lot of vagaries and big talk about what could be or the things that are in motion and what things maybe should look like in the future, but it's hard to know. Eric, you, you sort of point out that I say this all the time, but like we have very simple reptile brains. We are investors, right? And our, our goal is to invest money in the company and then to sell or to recapitalize the business some way and get money back out. A lot of what we are focused on is what is the result of the actions that you're taking as a CMO? How do they intersect with the strategy of the overall business? And how do they correlate with value creation? That pairs nicely with Jen Demas's thoughts. We have understandings about how we want this company to be understood and valued and what new markets we want to open. We'll be able to see that we're having success there because we will begin to create revenue in new directions. We will see consistency in bookings creation in directions we haven't seen historically, maybe into a new geo, maybe in a new product offering, maybe in a new revenue source that we hadn't considered historically. Those kinds of things would increase our value. The squishy ways that this would show up, and every marketer hates this, is our own customers saying to us, oh, I didn't know you did that. Another way you can be more successful and less stressed during board meetings is by getting alignment with the board on what they're interested in seeing before you walk into the boardroom. Befriend the board member who has the deepest background in marketing. You can preview your board meeting content in advance with that person to get help in anticipating the reactions. If it's your first meeting with the board, make it count. Share why you have joined the company and your thesis for the impact you will make. Kelly Ford Buckley has great advice here. She's a marketing leader who pivoted to the investment side and is now general partner and COO at Edison Partners. I think the board will always want to know, what are you doing for the next 30, 60, 90, right? Or what do you think of the current plan? So I think it's a real opportunity for a dialogue. I've always walked into those first meetings with an existing board with my rookie observations. And it's a great way to get a dialogue going. Here are the slides, and this is what went on last quarter, and I was here for part of it, but maybe not even all of it. Those are in the appendix. I want my 20 minutes sharing my rookie observations, why I took the job, what I'm observing, here are the opportunities, what do you guys think, am I missing, am I off base? What a great way to start a dialogue. And now you've set the tone for a dialogue that can continue to take place in every other board interaction. Yeah. As you settle in and as the business evolves with its investment partners, your board meeting content will evolve too. 
Chris Fountain, who's a veteran board member and a former CEO, discusses this. It should be very clear what marketing's role is in driving bookings growth. Lead flow is great, but if you can't translate that into one deals, people are going to be scratching their head. What are we getting for our marketing spend? So in my view, every board meeting, once you've got the instrumentation of flying the plane that's gaining altitude is important. And the really critical instrumentation is demand, lead flow, and conversions to closed one deals. Along with that, I think, is ROI. Good marketers, I think, understand how investments pay off in tangible ways. Early in an investment for us, we want to know that we have a very clear picture of the voice of the customer. Be able to understand that we know who our ICP is, our ideal customer profile. We know the buyer personas. We know how we position ourselves relative to our competitors. That has a time and a place, but you don't need to revisit that at every board meeting. Also, get over the impulse to talk about all the work you did and how you've been spending your time. You're in the job as CMO because the board thought you could do the job. They trust you on the details. The board may only be interested in about one of the 10 things that you're doing. As Alana Anderson says, Regardless of the scale of the company, the CMO needs to focus on objectives, on outcomes, on critical metrics. You know, sometimes marketers are over enamored, you know, about what they do rather than the outcomes that they drive, you know, and I think particularly with the board, it's about the destination. It's not about the journey. The journey really only matters when there's something that significantly new lessons that you learned along the way, whether those lessons were good lessons, lessons that you want to repeat, or lessons that, you know, you tried something and it didn't work. Next, realize that your board meeting is a great vehicle for improving the sales and marketing interlock and for communicating that interlock. Madeline O'Phelan is VP of Marketing for fintech company Verity. She discusses the importance of board posture. I think in a board meeting, it's also really important to convey your collaboration amongst the teams. And there are a couple of key ways I think you do that really well. One is re-emphasizing points, right? Each function has its 15 minutes of fame in the board meeting and restating points over and over again across all teams, I think is a great way to do that, right? Or kudos between the teams and board meetings, I think is also really important. Being able to show that you have a good relationship with sales It might be a nuance, but it's an important nuance to be able to show in front of the board that you work well together, that you give each other praise when it's due, reiterating key points that your peers are making, kudos when they're deserved, I think is super important. And Kelly Ford Buckley discusses the benefits of marketing and sales co-presenting at a board meeting and having a combined growth readout. I don't want the marketing department readout and the sales readout. I want the growth plan readout, the growth initiatives. Listen, the board deck goes out two, three days before the board meeting. The slides don't need to be read to us. Like we're reading, we're preparing, we're coming with questions. We want data and we want insights. We want to know what you think is working based on the data and what's not working What are you doing differently next quarter to improve upon what the data is telling you right now? And there's one more common thread when it comes to avoiding anxiety and nailing your presence in board meetings as CMO. Contrary to what you may think, there is a place for qualitative data, competitive insights, customer insights, and brand stuff. Yes, even brand stuff. Consider making it impactful by being interactive. Alana Anderson discussed this. 
you know that numbers are going to engage the board. But if you have a topic that's short on numbers, like a, a rebrand topic, how do you make that interesting and impactful? I chose to make it interactive and use brands that I knew they had opinions on or would be aware of to make a case for why we had to do something you know, about our own brand. I mean, and recognize this isn't like an hour session. This is probably right. 20 minutes, you know, 25 minutes at, at most that you have. So it has to be in, impactful and quick. And so I put up little brand elements. So a color or part of a tagline about a particular brand and had them, well, who is this brand? And when you can immediately identify who that brand is, that tells you something. And, and then, and if I show you, well, who's this brand? And you have no idea who that is and it's us, <laughs> um, you know, that, that starts to unveil, well, we have some opportunity or some work to do. I see. And then if you can compare and contrast, well, here's how we're doing it today, whether it's a color change. I mean, what is less interesting to a board member than, Hey, we're changing our colors from teal to purple, but sometimes that does make a difference. And so to make it impactful, you get to the opportunity and the whys behind that. Okay, here's part three of our four-part recap of insights learned this season on The Get. How do you make sure you have a great ongoing dialogue with your board, not just inside the boardroom, but outside of it so that both you and the business succeed? When companies engage me for new CMO searches, one thing is so clear. Their previous CMOs have not failed for lack of effort or even lack of talent. They have failed for lack of alignment and lack of shared expectations around responsibilities, timing, and resources. A good example of this alignment and action comes from Jen Demas and Evan Decord, the CMO and board member pair we heard from earlier. Jen and I sat down and went to our deck, like, how do we think value gets created? How do we think that intersects with marketing? And here are some example numbers. So I do think it is important for me to be able to speak to the value that I'm driving in the business in a way that our investors would care about. One of the ways that Evan and I sometimes talk about this is big V value and little V value. And I think the little V value that helps to drive pipeline and like the things that I'm measuring on the daily, weekly, monthly to say, I am doing these activities and they're creating value in the business. What Evan cares about is big V value. I put some money in and three to five years from now, I want it to be more money that I'm getting out. It has been hard in B2B marketing historically to draw a direct line from the activities that you're making to the outcomes that they're driving. But now we're actually talking about big V value, the value of this company, not just the value of these marketing activities that I'm driving, this, this, my contribution to pipeline, whatever those things are. This is about how am I increasing the value of this company in market? And that is not a conversation that is necessarily one that many are comfortable or fluent in. That's the code switching that needs to happen between the operational plan and how I'm executing today. Chris Fountain offers a useful analogy for what he and other board members are looking for once a CMO is in place. The marketing domain should be able to give a heads up to the business around future growth. So the finance team does a review mirror view of the business, right? Marketing ideally can paint a picture of trial activity or demo activity or MQL activity, we can expect our bookings to trend as follows. If you can create a heads-up display that allows you to predict with greater accuracy the future, that's nirvana in my view. 
Another thing to navigate is how to respond when your board member proposes something that you think is outlandish. I talked about this with Kelly Ford Buckley, whose advice is to try to understand the input and not just dismiss it out of hand. You really do need to think about the board like a member of your team. There's brilliance that lives inside the four walls of your business and certainly brilliance that sits in your board. And frankly, a lot of these investors are domain experts. They know your market really well. And even if they've invested in companies that don't compete with yours, they're in adjacent spaces. So it's like getting a market perspective and a customer perspective. So why not take that in? I think the board needs to be viewed as just another audience, but an audience that's actually on your team. Mm. And I think marketing leaders can often be stronger internally than externally and more exposure externally with customers, partners, investor helps build the knowledge, the confidence, the credibility that they also need to be building with the board. So I think sometimes if you're too internally focused, relying on sales for your outside perspective or not getting enough direct customer or outside perspective, you might not be as comfortable or as confident. I think it's some of those things that remove the intimidation. Mm. So you'll want to communicate well with your board and provide that heads-up display for the business and focus on big V value. To do all that, you will also have to master the subtle art of navigating a board that may not know what good marketing looks like. After all, the number of board members and investors with marketing backgrounds approaches zero, or their marketing experience may be from five or 10 years ago. So you will do best if you understand, educate, and translate. You can offer an offline session to educate board members on a particular marketing topic. It won't just benefit their understanding of what you're doing, but it will also help them in their board service for other companies. There was general agreement amongst my guests that it is the job of the CMO to translate the language of marketing into vocabulary that the CEO and CFO and board can get behind. As you translate and educate, beware that some marketing terms will fly and some terms will flop. Allison Dancy, a veteran CMO who was most recently CMO at Kibo Commerce, talks about the marketing trigger words that are likely to fly with boards. Sometimes it's around ICPs or sometimes it's calibrating around personas or sometimes it's we need to go to ABM because that's what everybody's talking about. And if you start to talk about brand, it really is the four-letter word sometimes to boards because to them it means spend that they can't track and therefore they don't want to do it. But you know, your brand is what ultimately gets people to make the decision to buy from you, to stay with you, to buy more from you, to have confidence in you, to be able to build a business case that they're going to buy from you. So brand is, it is actually the secret weapon behind the scenes, but to a board member, it just means cost. And so you have to be really careful. Often they'll even see the website as a brand thing and they don't want to invest in it. I've had some boards where I can call that awareness. It won't raise as many red flags. I can talk about awareness or I can talk about website technology. But sometimes you have to be a little bit careful about just using even the word brand, I've found. While we're talking about marketing terms that fly and marketing terms that flop, I want to underscore the elephant in the room that Allison mentioned before, brand. As she said, brand can be a four-letter word. Boards wonder why a marketing leader is investing in brand since it feels like something that is untrackable. Sandra Lopez had a great perspective here. She has been in marketing leadership and general manager roles in many of the world's biggest and most influential tech companies like Adobe and Intel and Microsoft. And she's a board member herself for Junior Achievement USA and Pure Red. She shared how she models out brand initiatives in financial terms to get buy-in from her board members. 
oftentimes when you are looking at brand architecture strategies, what will that impact look like in terms of lesser choice? Is it going to cannibalize one or the other products? That's yet another opportunity to bring a CFO into the journey and talk about, let, let's do some modeling together. Oftentimes, what I have seen is brand architecture strategies that talk about the business rationale, but there's no financial numbers. They'll talk to you about what it's going to cost, what it's going to cost to overhaul the entire thing and all the, the collateral that needs to get updated, both analog and digital. Yet I never see if we were to simplify the brand, what could this look like from a financial standpoint? Or if we're going to do a massive brand transition and reposition the brand in its totality from one point to another point, will it alienate your existing customer base? And if so, how? Well, what, what could that be from a sales perspective? So you can model all this. If there's one thing to remember when it comes to the CMO and board relationship, it is to move from broadcasting to the board to collaborating with them. And with collaboration, there's both a give and a get. Marketing leaders can be so focused on what they are giving to the board that they miss the opportunity to get stuff in return. Realize the board is there to be helpful. Interacting with them, it's an opportunity for free advice. They will likely be flattered to be asked, so don't be reluctant to make an ask of them. Alana Anderson discussed in detail how she has incorporated the board into her marketing initiatives. I found that board members are happy to participate and they've been actually flattered to be asked. At Demandware, uh, we had a board member by the name of Len Schlesinger. Len is a Harvard Business School professor. He was formerly the COO of Limited Brands, which in his day owned um, Victoria's Secret. We had a customer conference that was a very successful event, but one of the things that we were trying to do was get more attendance from an exec level audience, the true business buyer, the business sponsor. So I asked Len if he would co-chair or be the guest chair of an invite-only executive track and then host a half-day workshop for me. And maybe that was a little gutsy, but he was thrilled. So we were then marketing an executive track with a well-known business professor to retail, you know, commerce executives. It sold out easily. We had our ideal profile customer at this event and the actual event was incredible. The fourth and final part of our recap of season five of The Get. How can you become the CMO who gets tapped for board seats? Many of the CMOs I interview want to be on a board someday, and the ones that are on boards tend to love the experience. Not surprisingly, the supply of CMOs eager to serve on boards exceeds the current demand. That means the competition is tough. How can you be prepared to step up into board service? There are a few ways you can prepare. First, get P&L experience and general management experience under your belt, even if this is outside your obvious marketing swim lane. And in a marketing leadership role, approach your work and the way you communicate your work with a business-first, marketing-second mindset like we talked about before. Also, plan ahead and try to find a boss who will embrace board service as a part of your professional development and help you manifest a board seat. Next, clarify what your unique value prop is to a board. What skill sets will you offer and which types of companies are most likely to benefit from your knowledge? That way, when you get a call to interview with a board, you can vet the opportunity correctly. This is true also for CMO roles, by the way. One of the best questions I've seen CMOs ask in interviews is, what's the value you see in my skill set? 
Here's Sandra Lopez with some additional perspective. People reached out to me for various board positions. And I remember one, it was all about supply chain and it was about transportation. And I was so honored that they considered me and they were considering me from a digital transformation, but I was looking at the board requirements and the skill sets that they were looking for, the top three. And I'm like, I have none of that. <laughs> and I said to the uh, individual that was recruiting for it, I'm like, you know what? Super honored, yet it's not going to be the right fit because I will not add value for what they're looking for from a talent perspective. Consider serving on nonprofit boards as a practice ground, but prioritize the ones that are run like for-profit boards. Also, advisory boards, which can be quirky, can also be decent stepping stones to board service. As you feel reasonably ready, ask people who are boarded up, meaning at capacity with their board service, to refer board opportunities to you. Here's Sandra Lopez's advice. Listen, I've had amazing mentors helping me guide me through the path to board of directors. And I started, I was three years before I landed my first board. You want to land a board seat, so then you're recommended by somebody else for yet another board seat. And that's how the flywheel of that. Mm -hmm. And so when you're looking for board seats, you also like try to find somebody, it's called, you know, overboarded where somebody has way too many boards. Mm -hmm. Look for those individuals that are boarded up, that are passing on opportunities because they have too many boards. That's a great way just to start to open up the doors. That's it. Your guide for how CMOs and boards can promote their relationship from fraught to functional to fantastic. A huge thanks to all the guests from this season. And of course, if you want to talk with me about hiring a CMO or VP of marketing for your SaaS company or your open board seat, ping me. Thanks for listening to The Get. I'm your host, Erica Seidel. The Get is here to drive smart decisions around recruiting and leadership in B2B SaaS marketing. We explore the trends, tribulations, and triumphs of today's top marketing leaders in B2B SaaS. To stay in the know for our next season, please keep following the show in your preferred podcast listening app. If you liked this episode, please share it. For more about The Get, visit thegetpodcast.com. And to learn more about my executive search practice, which focuses on recruiting the make money marketing leaders rather than the make it pretty ones, follow me on LinkedIn or visit theconnectedgood.com. The Get is produced by Evo Terra of Simpler Media Productions.